This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. We're currently seeing many artists coming out with works that they created in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Malaysia artist Anurendra Jagadeva has spent the last six months in lockdown in Melbourne, creating his latest series of paintings. Um, they examine the feelings and dilemmas of this period in time um, and the works are being shown at Wailing Gallery until the 30th of October. In an exhibition called Scream in Inside Your Heart, New Paintings from Solitary Confinement. Anurendra is with us via Zoom today. Thank you for joining me, Anu. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, I wish in person, but uh, this is just the way things are now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I really wanted to start actually from uh, the funny and yet slightly depressing anecdote that the title of your exhibition has its roots in, Scream Inside Your Heart. Um, Do you want to talk us through why you decided to name this series that? Well, look, I mean, I I rely on popular culture and outside impetus all the time in my work. So there are always these elements of real-time things that are happening as we are experiencing the world around us. So... I was watching TV and there was this wonderful bit uh, when they were, after the first lockdown, when things looked like, yeah, maybe we can start reopening again. In Japan, they opened up a theme park and the image was fantastic. It was these two guys, right? Really like nicely scrubbed in suits and a bow tie and everything (laughs) on a roller coaster, right? And they they went through all the, the loops and everything and they didn't move at all. They just held on to the bar. They looked straight into the camera. And then when it slowed down and stopped, they, the guy just leaned over and said, scream inside your heart. <laughs> and the whole idea of social distancing and um, uh, saliva transference or whatever. Wait, wanted, because they were know. wearing masks, no? While they were they on the roller coaster. Masks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the whole idea of uh, uh, the new COVID normal, you know, that even there, and it kind of broke my heart a little. Mm. Right, just seeing that and how much it's changed, uh, especially for people. You know, we've we've had a, a really great run, humanity, since World War Two. <laughs> uh, it's been a fairly, you know, I mean, there've been wars everywhere and all of that, but it's it's been an amazing, you know, hum- mankind has really leaped ahead, and this is no one's ever experienced anything like this, right? Uh, it's completely new, um, and so the title it just stuck. So I stole it from these two Japanese, from a Japanese theme park, basically. Um, but I think it's so that, that's ancient, about right? as, as bizarre as times are now. Yeah, that's right. But yet it's like, there's so much pragmatism. Yeah, I think it just reflects on the human spirit and everything. It's all in there. So I thought the title was perfect. Um, and in a way, this isolation, right, where we all have to pretend, you know, uh, have these Zoom dinners and, cook meals and explore new recipes and everything. Um, it It's okay for a little while and it's challenging and we are all gung-ho to kind of beat this thing. But after a while, the isolation really gets to you. I really feel for young people because I think, you know, as I said, it's my daughter's just finished university and uh, I think the job market's going to be different your skills are going to have to adapt to 
you know, just a new world, uh, just socializing, dating, going out, mm. uh, and to be stuck, just the three of us. When the internet went down last week, it was real oh, nightmare. <laughs> the three of us had to actually talk to each other, which is a scary <laughs> thing. So it's all, it's a brave new world, uh. Um, so yeah. I, I think this this whole um, introduction that you've you've given, and we haven't even started talking about art itself yet. However, I yeah. think there's so much there that actually captures the tone of what the series is because um, there's there's this real strong undertone of I don't know if I'm going to call it humor, but a sense of just the absurdity, maybe. Um, yes. Yeah, but but also uh, a melancholy. Um, uh, uh, disconnectedness. So I was curious as to um, when you started working on on these these paintings. Well, actually, a lot of them kind of started. Some well, half the show was pre-COVID, and then the second half was painted during the lockdown in the last six months. So it's maybe two years in the making, um, and I was kind of floundering. I mean, look, I'm. I've always been interested in just trying to portray the world around us in my version of it anyway, um, and how I fit, and by extension, how everybody else fits as well. Um, and I found that if you wanted to to address the issues that affect us every day, um, humor was always a good kind of catch-all, you know? If you went in there laughing at yourself first, um, and look, I was a journalist for many years, so I like telling a story. So the narrative strains in the work are very strong anyway, right? Um, so I played with all those kind of elements, but humor was always important. But um, COVID, uh, I really sucked mm. the levity out of the room. Like. Makes it difficult to laugh. Yeah. So the despair, I think, uh, becomes quite real. It's not so precious. It's not so... We're all feeling it, right? Um, and the humour, the undercurrent of humour is, my God, we didn't laugh a little bit. Uh, I think my wife would definitely have killed me by now. Okay? <laughs> so, so the work, actually, this whole first world guilt, you know, um, I feel a bit guilty that in a way, the lockdown has really worked for me and my work. Um, but hell, it's hard, it's hard, even so, uh, and for everybody, and we have it a lot easier than so many people, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting time. So, I mean, it all came out of that. And I think every day, a lot of my work has all also been about the search for heroes for, and it's been a pretty dismal time for, uh, heroes or definitely not heroic leadership, Everywhere in the world, the failure of people to come together um, from from our national leaders, yeah. right down to how we buy toilet paper. But that's right? interesting, uh, right? Because it is um, one of one of the things that I did keep thinking as I looked at. Because I haven't been to the actual exhibition yet, sure. uh, but as I looked at the images. Um, yeah. there's almost a hero making of the ordinary person. Yes, I don't know how consciously, but definitely. It, it began to be, I mean, I've always tried to be autobiographical. So the starting point is always every man, you know, in the narratives, um, in the image making. Uh, but ultimately, all my work has celebrated, whether it's in a little postage stamp in a corner yes. or 
in full-blown portraits, it's always celebrated this, I don't know, I think we're so uninspired. We've been uninspired for so long. I have anyway, right? And so you always search for heroes. Um, and there are a lot of amazing people that can inspire you. And so the work, I think, draws from that as well. But it's been a, a pretty hard six months, I think. Mm. And in Melbourne, we've been locked down longer than in Wuhan, okay? Yeah, that's we've been true. We've lockdown 24 weeks. But in the end, we're going to have to come out and face the virus eventually, right? Mm. Uh, so I suppose they, this whole thing about buying time to for preparedness and then to face it, it's... But I don't know how we're going to get out there again. Uh, but we'll adapt, I think. Uh, and yeah, so the, the paintings came out of that quite easily. Yeah. For those who haven't yet seen the works, um, if you could sort of give us a, a little snapshot of what kinds of um, visuals uh, the, the series features, what are the themes that you are sort of hoping to foreground? Sure. Well, I mean, as, as I, I, I've banged this on for so many years, people must be, people who have heard me before will be really tired of the <laughs> whole thing about describing the world we live in and all that bullshit. <laughs> but uh, I think it, it, it continues with that, the search for heroes. And, and it's interesting because it's been a mad, bad world for a few years now, right? It's mm -hmm. been, the descent into madness has been quite rapid everywhere in the world the rise of the strongman dictator. There are a few bright sparks now where women are near the seat of power or in the seat of power. There's a compassion and a level-headedness and a clear thinking, I think, where, you know, women are in charge. Um, everywhere else, it's very self-serving and it's a real disappointment. It's very sad. Um, yeah, I've always dealt with the world around me, right? Uh, and the state of man as such. And so the first half of the work, I think the starting point was the change in government at home, right? Uh, I'm one of those, like, you know, uh, trolls from overseas <laughs> who still is, yeah, you keep in the internet. And so you you are connected. I came back to both. And it was, uh, if nothing else, I mean, you know, it's difficult. It's a, uh, but it kind of showed that, that there was a chance of, um, a choice, you know, I mean, who knows which was the right, which is the, which works for people, different people come to it differently, but that there is a choice that we have a choice and we can, so I think that's cemented. Um, so it started with that and I was kind of floundering, you know, the whole idea of assimilation and identity and place, which you know, I've been banging on about for a long time because it's a large part of who we are. Right. And then, Living in Australia, again, you have to go through it again. It's different because you're much older now. So in some ways, you're more confident. In other ways, you're more stubborn, right, <laughs> as a new migrant or a new or someone who's and slightly a bit of an outsider. So those are issues I've always explored. Mm -hmm. So the first half of the work kind of deals with those day-to-day -day things that are happening here um, and at home in Malaysia. Um, and then COVID happened and, uh, well, COVID happened and then the whole palaver of just a few months before in Malaysia and new developments and all of that, it, yeah, it was a difficult time to find a footing with the work, you know, um, and then with COVID, it just, 
kind of this gray. It was winter. It was really gray. And so uh, I had a gray undercoat and that's how it really started. Some of the best things just happened accidentally, mm. right? And so these darker paintings began to come out of it. But I quite enjoy that kind of madness of my packed compositions in the beginning, like uh, Cool Mama and paintings like that, yeah. which are, you know, there's a whole weave of all these symbols and it's almost like a jumble and you meander through mm-hmm. all this madness and then to suddenly stop. It, I, I think it really mirrors what was happening in that sense. I was just lucky, right time, right place. And then the work just shifted. And at one point, I didn't know how they could come together because they were such disparate kind of uh, works, you know, in a sense. Um, but it just happened quite naturally. In the hang, they actually hang interspersed, the ones mm. before and the ones after. And they all have little dialogues of a post and pre-COVID yes. world. Yeah, and, right? and the idea of, of that conversation is actually very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's all we talk about, right? Remember when, remember when we could, you know. Uh, remember God, you know, when I, was I, like I, a year I, ago. It's not like yeah. a decade ago. And now I can't even cough in public without 10 people looking at me <laughs> suspiciously, okay? Yep. Including my own family, right? <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's yeah. So it, I think it reflects that changed world. Um, of course, politics, I've always loved the Sindhiwara and the drama, you know, uh, and it's all around us all the time, right? All these men with a thirst for power and the things they will do, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's, it's, it's wonderful subject matter for the work and I've never been able to resist it. And then I think they also are very personal. The fact that we were in isolation, the later works are about familial interaction, about uh, the importance of a pet, it becomes to very basic kind of primal things, right? Simple things. It's a return to that. But at the same time, we are ordering things online like mad, (laughs) right? And doing all that shopping thing as well, which you have to take stock of. And I did a painting called What I Bought During the Lockdown as well, right? Because a lot of our problems are very first world, right? You know, I mean, in comparison to Mm. a a lot of people everywhere who are really having it tough. So the paintings, I think, try to deal with that as well, to find a place between being quite honest about the fact that I'm part of the problem as well. Mm. So, yeah, so that was the kind of two main blocks of the work. There's the reality of living here is a lot of it as well. And then there's a kind of... uh, impressions of home from here, you know? So that runs through the whole body of work as well. It's a real return to paintings. I really painted for painting's sake again. Yes, you it's know, a, so it's a compared to the last few things you've done, this is a, like very yeah. focused on painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No sleight of hand, <laughs> nothing to hide behind, just painting for its own sake. And that was very enjoyable as well. So we do need to take a quick break. Uh, But when we come back, we'll speak more with Anurendra Jagadeva about his latest series of works, which is being shown at the Wailing Gallery uh, called Scream Inside Your Heart. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. I'm speaking with artist Anurindra Jagadeva about his latest exhibition uh, called Scream Inside Your Heart, New Paintings from Solitary Confinement. Uh, the show is on at Wailing Gallery until the 30th of October. So Anu, um, one thing I wanted to pick up on that you mentioned before we went on break uh, was this uh, return to painting. I mean, um, you're, you've been on the scene for 30 years. You've done various things along the way, but but uh, painting was something that uh, was, I think, in many ways associated with a lot of your earlier works. Um, was there a reason why you returned to it at this point in time? Well, it's a, you know, we were, I always say, we were that group of art students who were really on the cusp of change. When I went to art school, painting was king. And then three years later, when I graduated, I was suddenly told that painting is probably dead. <laughs> okay, right? Because everyone, curators, galleries, museums, they're looking at new ways of making new media. Um, and look, painting will never die. It's too wonderful. And I, I love it completely. But when you're younger, you're a bit more, um, you explore new ways of making as well. But I never strayed very far from it. And uh it like you know i i moved on painting was always a factor in it mm. i'd make painting objects or installations but it always came out of painting you know i always enjoyed it um so i just kind of made that and then you ex- you expand your language your your aesthetic language um and of course you you try and you think about how ways of being relevant as well um with trends right but I have always loved painting and it's always been at the heart of everything I make um and it's also about yeah it's expanding your visual language so you do explore other things um and you bring those other things all those other elements those little bits of painted objects and all of that it's still it it informs the current work as well, even though I'm looking at it more from a painterly canvas to the painting point of view, but all the things I've learned working with other mediums and everything do influence the way I handle paint. And aside from that, there are objects in this show as well. They are incorporated more seamlessly into the painting a lot of the times, but uh, it's it's kind of uh, tools and uh, little skills I've learned while working with 3D things. Mm. Um, but they always inform the painting and I'm really happy to come back to the idea of making these big paintings because it can be quite daunting if you've been away from it for a while mm. to look at a six foot by four foot white empty <laughs> space and start thinking and not overfilling. Not So it was very much a, a learning process for me again and I loved it, yeah. So speaking of that, um, you know, you are one of those names that I think at this point, when we think of Malaysian artists, um, you know, people who, for better or worse, I don't know if that's a burden that one likes to bear. Uh, you're you're a representative of Malaysian art in some way. Last year, you were at the Venice Biennale, for instance. Um, is that something you still think of in the sense that what does it mean to be making Malaysian art today? I always feel like a pretender. I don't know. <laughs> and and I, I think it's a good way to be. I, I'm generally quite insecure. Uh, and I think it's good. It pushes you more. 
and you're always questioning the work and thinking about it and being unsure. So I don't know. Someone told me once, oh, you're, I don't know whether it's equated with being old and past it. I don't know about that either. Um, but I suppose you enjoy the bits that work for you. Um, and you try and strive beyond the bits that uh, pigeonhole you, I suppose. Mm. Um, the whole, a, a lot of it is luck. You know, um, it's, it's uh, Venice is amazing, but, um, you know, there are artists as good, better than me, uh, who also deserve to be there. So a lot of it is luck as well. Um, I think the work strong, was strong enough to sit there, but other works are strong as well. And uh, um, it's being at the right place, having the right supporters. Wailing is, is, is uh, quite an amazing gallery. Um, she drove it by, by and large. Um, and yeah, so part of it, yes, I, of course, I think I deserve to be there. When I'm not included in things, I think, ah, oh, I should be there. <laughs> How come I'm not there? Um, but... But I tell you, don't underestimate luck. You know, I, I know great artists who have it much harder than I I do um, or I, I've ever had. So I wear it happily, if a bit awkwardly, I suppose. I don't know. Um, old age is a tough thing, right? It's a much more ageist society than it was when I was young. So I, I think you just have to strive harder and harder to justify being so-called, look, I still don't see myself as any of those heroes uh, <laughs> from, you know, I don't even dare say their names because yeah. they would be laughing again. I, I'm not at all. I'm still in a process and I hope I have a good 20 years to get better uh, and I stay relevant for that time. But it is harder as you grow older, I think. Mm. So that yeah. question of... of relevance or that question of um, perhaps staying connected in some ways because you've been living in Melbourne now for gosh how many years has it been? Four, four years now we've been back. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there increase and especially now with the inability to come back uh, sort of being one layer removed from here um, is there a sense of what does it mean to be making works that are Malaysian when you don't live here you can't come here easily I think it's becoming more of a reality now. Before, as you said, the world was so small that it, I could not, when people said, so where do you live? I used to think, does it really matter, you know, where I live? Because the world is so small. I mean, KL to, you know, if I want to buy uh, new underwear, then I can really get there. I'd probably go to KL <laughs> and buy it. Because it was so easy, right? But now everything has become so completely inaccessible. When we came to came back to Australia five years ago, it was very much on a whim. My daughter was going to go to boarding school. And because I'd been at home most of her life, uh, I kind of threw a bit of a tantrum lunch and I wanted to go too. We came back, helicopter parents. We came to <laughs> Australia really when she went to school. And um, I always thought, yeah, well, we'd probably end up living near where she lived. And the work would just have to, to come to terms with that. But now, I mean, she needs us less and less. And with the COVID, you suddenly realize if you're separate, the world's become huge again, right? It's become huge. It's completely inaccessible again. So now more than ever, I kind of 
feel the connections to home quite strongly. Um, but having said that, Australia is quite, you know, it, it's a, it's quite a, a fermenting space wide years. And uh, there's a lot going on here, which is very interesting. You know, when it comes down to assimilation, identity, race, the migrant issues and all of that. Um, but the pull of home is strong. It's, it's very strong, you know, people you've known for more than four years, people you've known for 30 years, you know, and uh, um, that kind of authenticity, the sense of place that you belong and you can grumble because this, you know this yeah. instinctively, you know this place. Mm. Um, so I think COVID has kind of made, a, there's more of a sense of urgency with with that. Before, it was a very different world, right? So yeah. Um, I can't believe how much it's changed anyway. So that that uh, juxtaposition actually for me, because some of my favourite images so far the, of the ones I've seen from this collection are actually um, the series of uh, dancers with the masks on. Um, you yeah. have uh, you have the classical Indian dancer, you have the traditional yeah. Chinese dancer, and they've all got these uh, gas masks on, not not the yeah. surgical masks. Um, yeah. I think that captures very neatly a lot of what you've just been talking about. This uh, yeah. normalcy disrupted. Um, the idea of being distant from something that feels familiar. Um, yeah. I, I, I wanted to get at that idea of um, using masks in your art. Um, it feels both obvious, but also um, so so fitting that I was wondering at what point in your in your process, because you, you clearly had works that you made before, and then there were the yeah. works that you did yeah. during. Um, at which point did this all sort of come together and go like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to manifest masks in some way in these paintings? The masks, uh, you know, I, I wanted to revisit my usual actors. I painted the Bhartanatyam dancer and, and you know, Maven especially. Yeah. Uh, and the opera singer. I love the decoration and I love the drama. Uh, I love the mythologies that come with them. And they play beautifully into your into our day to day lives as well, right? Uh, the stories, the all of it, and um, the mask. I mean, I've always collected <laughs> nonsense. Okay, my house is full of just stuff that eventually become props. Then, of course, the mask debate became so big, right? To wear or not to wear this mask, right? Um, but fundamentally, it is really about the change that we don't see each other's faces. And so much about performance is the, the demeanor and the, the facial expression, right? And to lose that completely, it's a diminished world. Um, the other thing is, of course, the whole idea of performance is a two-way thing. It's one, the performer, and two, the audience. So if the audience is diminished or absent, what happens, and, and you know, being a member of the arts fraternity, I hear a lot, you know, from friends who are my cousin who is a dancer, um, about the uncertainty right now of what people do in the arts. And finally, I think it was also a statement about uh, how relevant is the arts in this brave new world? Because um, everywhere in the world, but here in Australia, very noticeably, um, 
government subsidies and uh, aid to industry, the arts was the last thing that, you know, and how do you quantify how much job keeper and artist should get? Mm. So I think on many levels, the performers have got many levels of of uh, um, meanings in them that kind of work across the board. Mm. Um, so, but by and large, they started out as a, a return to see old friends. Right. They are subjects I've always loved. And really, our lives have all changed. How would their lives change, these dancers in my paintings? Mm. And so it was playing with that. So um, something you just said, I'm just a guy in a house. Um, the other uh, piece that I really like is one called Essential Workers. And the reason I like it is because there's this very humorous and just sort of droll image of um, what looks like a man, but with the head of an elephant holding a rice cooker and he's shirtless. Um, and I was just wondering, is that a is that an image that came in your post-COVID work or pre? Because... The head is also almost a mask itself. Yeah, it's pre-COVID. It's a portrait of myself as Ganesh. Yes, right. I thought it might and, be, yes. Yeah. And uh, the fact that um, because I'm an artist, whenever I go home, a lot of my aunties, they look at my poor wife who's working herself to the bone, going to office every day, and they look at me and they say, so what do you do, okay? So I've done a series <laughs> of work called The Legend of the Sitting Elephant. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people think I watch TV and wear in my sarong all day, which I actually do, okay, a lot of the time. But it's so, process. Um, it's called process. Yes, it's called process, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it kind of grew out of that. And, uh, and I'm a Hindu boy. So, um, you know, the, I love Ganesh. And um, so playing with that idea. So they all happen separately. The other two are just friends. I've made since I came here and uh, it's about really that that without that contact, right, how much harder things are. Mm. Um, So the idea of essential workers are very different for different people, right? Um, And uh, not taking anything away from the real essential workers, of course, but for my day-to-day existence, these are the things that that kind of keep you going. And uh, yeah, so I, I just, it's a, it's a, it was done before, but suddenly found a new relevance. There were three separate works that suddenly in the context of the here and now and the mask and the whole idea that all we have to look forward to every day in lockdown is your evening meal. Yep. Right? So the rice cooker, all of it just suddenly like, wow, it just came together. Mm. And uh it, it ended up being one of my favorite works in the show when actually it's it's something that I really was not sure how it works. So COVID has given some of the work a kind of new <laughs> meaning as well. So that's what I was going to ask you. Did you find as, as the collection uh, sort of came together that works that you had not done with COVID in mind took on a new meaning and sort of evolved into oh, somehow fitting? Completely. I mean, even the uh, there's a painting of my daughter's boyfriend uh, with this kind of huge astral figures of Indian women around him, and uh, <laughs> the whole idea of because my she they they went down to Malaysia last year, and my 
It's unfortunate. My dad passed away at the same time. And so there was this sea of brown faces wondering who this one white guy was. You know, we're very traditional, funny, you know, Japanese Tamil people. Yeah. So I imagine, of course, it's me imagining it as well, I, I suppose. Um, but the whole idea was what he would have felt in the midst of being judged by all these old Indian aunties, right? Yeah. I, it sounds um, so familiar to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so I made that painting then. And then now in the context of what's happened with COVID and then the killing of George Floyd and then what happened in the world after that, and you kind of realize that there's a, a weight that young Anglo-Saxon men especially, um, they do carry. I mean, studies have shown it and all of that that this whole thing about are you how accountable are you or how do you carry the burden of a history that's 200 years old, you know, in that debate, uh, at what level do you feel? Um, it's like young Germans and the way they have to deal with their past as well. Um, it's interesting. America is, is obviously in a difficult position right now. But they're still quite open. These things can still, are still being, uh, God alone knows for how much longer, but they're still being discussed. And that's why it's interesting. I wanted to explore that as well. So suddenly this painting surrounded by these Asian women that date back to 1840 has got a whole new resonance when you talk about uh, empire, when you talk about how our value systems have been shaped, and then you look at the other side and you look at how young white men have to carry it as well. Mm. So yeah, the paintings even prior suddenly have a different context. And that's nice. If they, if they were just stagnant in the time they were made, right? Uh, you know, and, and I like looking at some of my old work that has that, that power 20 years on and how things have or have not at all changed. It strikes me also that, you know, suddenly after, because we're now here in the RMCO period, there are a lot of um, exhibitions and all opening up uh, because I think a lot of them held over from earlier in the year. Um, sure. What do you hope an audience that comes to see your works at this point in time uh, takes away from it? Because it is it's kind of a weird time for art, isn't it? Both as an audience and a creator. It is. It is a weird time for art. That's a really good question. I don't know <laughs> how to, you know, because I mean, I don't know how many people will see it. Um, and you're not even able to come here. For, so, no, yeah. No. But it's a world of new media, right? Mm. So it's, it's how we reinvent ourselves, I suppose. I think it's, it's all new models. It's, uh, it's, it's, we are pioneering now, I suppose. And it's not only artists, but it's also the, in arts infrastructure that has to adapt to this. Um, I think they are, they are doing stuff, a lot of stuff that, that um, works. Some of it might not, but uh, it's interesting yep. just seeing how it's going to evolve. Mm. Um, but short answer for the people who see it, I, I suppose everyone will interpret it with, within their own experience, the stories within the work. Um, and even if they don't agree or don't think, uh, at least they know where I'm coming from and why I feel that way. 
So, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> What's next for you? Um, you've sort of done this pandemic response works. Yeah. Um, is there... And, 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 you know, the reality is actually for most of us, we don't actually have an end in sight for any of this. Yeah. Um, what does that mean in terms of what comes next? Are you working on anything already? Right now, I'm just making Lego. Yeah, okay? sounds good. Lego again. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting because at the end of every exhibition or, you know, by the time I finish, uh, it's always an anticlimax because I'm basically a really lazy person. I really need deadlines. And uh, unless I have a project ahead of me, I tend to, I drive railing mad. Okay? Okay. As I said, it's, so it's quite a, a, a sharp fall down, you know, so I'm basically making Lego, fighting with my wife <laughs> and, and now irritating her because she's got loads of work still going on. Working um, from home. Yeah. yeah. So it's about getting motivated and just keeping the, the, the rate of work I've been enjoying until now. Just keeping it going, not losing sight of it. Mm. Um, but uh, I have a lot more. I mean, I, I would have preferred the exhibition a bit later because uh, there were... Every day, right, there's some madness that mm. excites you and you have to, to, to kind of put it in your COVID diary. So I, I have a lot more work that I want to make um, continuing in this, you know. Um, and I think in many ways, because it's so much our common experience, the specifics of my autobiographical, all the references that are specific to me, transcend my specificity, if you know what I mean. Yes. Or yes. being Malaysian or being... Um, because we're all in the kind of same situation. Everything that happens in the most remote market in China... Mm right, affects all of us in the end. Um, so I'd like to do a show here, right, continuing in this and uh, see how that's received. Because uh, for the last four years, I've had just stuff happening all the time. Uh, last year, I had a big commission in Singapore with the Indian Heritage mm. Centre. Um, so I've been busy, but sometimes you want to go to the toilet in your own backyard, you know. So I'm living here for the short, uh, you know, as you said, painting these coconut trees in Australia mm. and sending them back home. Uh, Pia Dasa used to laugh at us, expatriate artists, uh, you know, these so-called artists in self-imposed exile. Um, but definitely it's time to think about place a lot more seriously mm. than we did before. We took it for granted. We were all over the world. You could do anything, anywhere, right? Thank you so much, Anu. Oh, it was lovely talking to you. It was, it really was. I've been speaking with artist Anurendra Jagadeva about his latest exhibition called Scream Inside Your Heart, New Paintings from Solitary Confinement, currently showing at Wailing Gallery until the 30th of October. For more information, go to wailing-gallery.com. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.